Happy one month into quarantine. I hope everybody's doing healthy, safe, as best as they can in these very, very challenging times. It's been a month and two days for me. The last time I saw people was uh, March 14th. Although that first week, I did get together with some friends and play frisbee, and we kept six feet away. But um. I hope you're doing well. I hope everybody's doing well. I just had the first uh, remote secret famous with Jay Stolar. Um, he's a dear friend of mine. I was in a band with him for many years. Many years? I don't know, like three or four. Probably, called Julius C. He is, he is a monster of a human being. He's a sweet, sweet soul. And uh, he's already achieved immense amounts of greatness and in the music business, um, he's the man. What can I say? And he's a sweet dude. I really, I really do mean this when I say this. That the man is a visionary. He can like see things and size them up and give them like a clarity of a vision. And he's done it for me at a personal uh, level multiple times. You know, he's like, Paul, you're about good vibes. You need these, do these things. And he can like kind of like see, see an artist and like give them a vision. So, He's really good at that, and he's really good at singing. He's one of the best male singers ever. And I think he checked into that world and could have been the guy in New York, but it was like, he's bigger than that. He's a, he's a creative cat behind the scenes, moving and shaking in so many different ways. Um, and I'm not going to ramble on, because I just talked to him for like an hour and a half. He's fascinating. We talk about maybe a little, I guess, uh, <clears throat> definition is like a dig... I don't think we fully define it, but it's like something he taught me about years ago where you record yourself playing and singing and making up a song and improvising the song. And he uses it at this deep therapeutic level, which he talks about in this podcast, which I thought was really interesting and fascinating. Because I, I kind of use it in more like I'm attempting to write a song. And he, we briefly talk about journaling, but he didn't because sometimes journaling takes a different way too. There's all these different ways. And he talks about that. And he's at the forefront of the music industry and co-writing in the songwriting scene. So he's he's doing it. He's co-written with Train, Hall and & Oates, and the song I'm about to play you in with is called I Do, recorded by Aloe Black and uh, John Levine. It's a beautiful track. It's an incredibly beautiful track. And then he does all these different things in the song that's playing you out is this hard rock project he has that he doesn't even talk about till the end called Jackson Gamble, which he hasn't ever even revealed his face. And he kind of, I don't know, the podcast is fascinating. He's a fascinating dude. He's a complex character, hardworking character, incredibly talented character too. We didn't even talk about kind of where he, his history, which spoke very much in the moment. He's a dear friend. And what's funny about Jay and my relationship, too, and we, we end, just, I'm supposed to go meet him in one minute for a Zoom, but I have a group of friends, and I think we meet once a year, sometimes twice a year. For, <laughs> we go to Wolfgang's at 33rd Street and Park. And uh, so that's funny. Like uh, Him and I have a very like social, we're just homies. We're just friends, and we have these weird hangs and send each other memes or something like that. So it's like... 
He's the man. Enjoy this Aloe Black song, co-written by Jay. Check him out online. Follow him. Fascinating individual who's setting the world ablaze in the music business and beyond. So I hope everybody stays safe. Everybody stays healthy. I'm keeping this one. Oh, I'm going to clock in under five minutes. I think the last one was like 12 minutes. I don't know if I released that, but anyway, Jay Stolar, he's the man. Check him out. Jay, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for being the first remote secret famous. Be safe. Be healthy. Mucho love. See you soon. Thought I was good, I was good on my own, I was alright Thought I was grown and the strangers I'd known, they were alright Thought that I knew everything, never wrong, I was alright Oh, I was good, I was good on my own, I was alright Oh, I lived a whole life thinking Heart could handle love, love I thought I knew. Everything before us was stretching out my heart just so it could be big enough to be for two. Never understood why people always say love chooses you. Now I do Didn't ever think that I could ever say I promise you And now I do Now I do Now I do This is the road we can see where it goes together You are my home and I know I can stay forever time when I thought that I had nothing to lose But now I do Now I do Never understood why people always say love chooses you
All right, boom, ladies and gentlemen, can I can I officially introduce you, Jay? You can officially introduce me. Yes. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, the first remote secret famous ever with the amazing Jay Stolar, singer, songwriter, producer, multi instrumentalist, business mogul, teacher, and most importantly, visionary. Jay, how the hell are you, brother man? <laughs> Thank you for saying many words around my name, Paul Madison. Um, <laughs> I I am good. I miss you, man. It's good to talk to you. I miss you. Are you surviving quarantine on the West Coast? I am. It's a weird. It's a weird time. I'm sure we'll get into some some of those things, but it's definitely a strange time. But I am surviving, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to be talking to you in this weird time. Excited you, to talk to you. Where where in LA are you now? Where? I so I'm in like, Echo Park. Basically I was going yeah, okay. back and forth between New York and LA for like 5 years, right? And first it started mm-hmm. with like one week every six weeks, and then it got to like one week a month, then it got to two weeks a month, then it got to like two weeks a month plus random weekends, and just constantly coming back and forth. So about a year ago, I started renting the room in the back of the house of uh, my friends who I was like crashing on their couch, and then I'd stay in this back room randomly whenever it was open. And yeah, like a year ago, I got basically the back of this house. Um, and now when quarantine happened, I was already here and my girlfriend was in New York and I was like, get the fuck out of New York, <laughs> get to LA and let's, uh, <laughs> let's stay here for a minute. So we have been, but yeah, we haven't been out of the house and in, in a minute. In, <clears throat> in like almost a month now, right? <clears throat> yeah. I actually, I think exactly a month. Yeah. Yeah, it's just around exactly a month for everybody. That is honestly insane, dude. Honestly insane. Um, <clears throat> have you been staying Jay. in the apartment, like, completely? Um, no, I have to. I just, my restless energy, I've been, like, getting out of the house at least to come to my little studio or go for a walk, and I've been doing a lot of bike riding. Oh, that's awesome. Which has been crucial <clears throat> to just my sanity. A lot of yoga, a lot of bike riding. And that's kind of helping keep the ship uh, not totally, totally keeling over, you know? Totally. Yeah, quarantine Paul oh. Madison is like putting a five-year-old in a closet. It's not, not <laughs> ideal no. and definitely should be illegal <laughs> and is illegal, actually. <laughs> Dude, you have me, me or my wife in 500 square feet. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is, this is full on. Like, I can imagine that L.A. I was talking to a friend in the L.A. area earlier today. It's like, I run around the block. I have a yard. I have a grill. Are, do you have these things? Do you have, like, a yard? We do have a backyard. I wouldn't, it's not like a giant yard, but yeah, there's a backyard. And it was pretty much like raining and pretty cold for LA, like that whole first month. It just started getting nice. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out the flow of work here um, in the house because there's four of us and everyone has different needs. But I've started to commandeer the backyard between the hours of 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., which has been nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, are you, do you have a whole little garden? Because I know you have a green thumb, the plants you were growing in Brooklyn. Is that kind of what's going on back there? No, actually. Well, it's not my house. Um, 
But they are about to start planting a garden, which would be cool to be a part of. But yeah, no, I don't have a garden here. I do have a, I have a couple succulents in dinosaur, um, like pots, which is pretty cool that I enjoy. That is cool. <laughs> Jay, I want to tell you a story that I tell about you. <laughs> okay, tell to me a story. everybody. And I t- and I tell this story even as a teaching tool when I want to describe an a professional entertainer. Okay. All right, so for everybody involved, right, listening. Well, hold on, my microphone is like tweaking out. In terms of, we're still we're still rolling. We're still rolling. It's just gonna Wex is gonna hate this. But yeah, there's uh, (laughs) nothing like a podcast where the guy in the podcast is just fucking with the mic the entire time. Um, You're constantly adjusting the level, aren't you? All right, (laughs) you're such a goddamn singer, bro. Tell me your story. (laughs) All right, so unequivocally, Halloween in New York City is the best holiday in New York City. Would you agree with that? It's pretty fun, especially as a live musician, I would say, yeah, without a doubt. Because it's not like New Year's where you're like, fuck, I don't really, like, I'm playing and that's great, but I wish I was, like, partying somewhere. Like, Halloween, you just want to be, like, throwing down. Raging, right? Yeah. And this is, this, this, is, this is a moment where I was just, I remember looking at you and be like, Jay Stolar is a fucking professional. <laughs> We're playing. <laughs> this is after like many camp tours, right? I got to play with Jay and entertain kids and Julius C. You're entertaining audiences that already love you, but like a Halloween crowd could be incredibly drunk, could be a little volatile. You just have to keep plowing them with tunes, right? Yes. And we're playing Halloween, and you come up on stage, and then the PA, the people are hanging off the rafters, you know, the places at capacity. And the PA shuts down, and you're on stage, <laughs> and in with, and I'm freaking out. We're all the band is like, oh my god, what is it, what is Jay just gonna rap to the drums right now? And in in a split second of time, Jay Stolar, in your brilliance, we're like, you you assess the situation. You're like, all right, the PA's out. Okay, costume contest, <laughs> boom, right there. And well, the sound man and the rest of the band is trying to get the PA back together. Jay Stolar, professional entertainer extraordinaire, orchestrates a whole costume contest in like a <laughs> ten minute pause. <laughs> what venue was this? Do you remember? This is at Kenny's Castaways, bro. Kenny's Castaways, that's right. And was it a Thang show or we had it like a, a cover? I don't remember what this was. Yeah, it was just like a pickup cover. They were just yeah, like, it was just Can like you a play fun from night midnight to hanging out. Yeah, just like a fun thing. night. Come everybody come and rage. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Bleecker Street vibes. That I Jay, that that story I tell to I was like, this is this is what you have to bring to the table as an entertainer. <laughs> Can you think on your feet as quick as someone like Jay Stola? <laughs> Probably not, dude. Jay had like a thousand gigs under his belt at that time, you know? <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories That's to tell about you. I literally tell that to kids when I'm like, this is what you're up against, bro. <laughs> Are you sure you can do that? Can you pull a costume contest out of your ass in five seconds? <laughs> I'm sure that's can you, a mind-blowing thing to tell to like a 10-year-old. They're like, oh, no, I don't know if I can. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you got to do 100,000 gigs to be able to entertain people as consistently as you can. You know what I mean? I was like, fucking only Jay. Only Jay. 
can manage that many drunk people that quickly. You know what I mean? Well, thank you, Paul. <laughs> you are you are too kind. But so, Jay, tell us about this track. I just played. People just heard. I do by Aloe Black. Give us the lowdown. Tell us about this, this, this new career. It's not new. You've been doing it for like ten years now. But like, well, it is. It is kind of new though. Um, yeah. So, I do was written last February, and basically, like to go back a minute, you and I are playing in Julius C. We had the rock star camp thing. Like basically playing original shows and hustling and driving down to South by Southwest and back in 30 hours and like doing everything that any touring band and developing band is trying to do to find their way while simultaneously trying to be like true to your art while you're also Mm -hmm. like trying to survive uh, in a band with multiple people, which is basically nearly impossible. It's like when you look at bands like the Chili Peppers or Radiohead, who've been around forever. I, I feel like all those bands deserve a constant standing ovation just for the fact that they fucking exist. Um, it's incredible. It is. And how long ago was that? That was probably 10 years ago? Maybe a little longer? Yeah, probably like 10 years. So... Right, right? Like, Julius C., like, about 10, yeah. Yeah, about... 2012 is when you did that tour. Yeah, so it's right? about, about 10 years. Yeah, and then after that, started focusing on, like, an artist career and project for myself and then that transition into this soul band that Paul played you played in for a bit too called Jay and the Birds and found my way mm-hmm. and just to be honest it was like struggling a lot and just keep kept coming up against walls um but being super determined I guess and relentless to just keep finding a way um and then about uh, two and a half years ago, I wrote a song. Basically, I got out of like a 10-year relationship and started doing these things called digs where in the morning I would improvise melodies and lyrics. I still do this um, mm-hmm. with an instrument. Sometimes like not even with an instrument, sometimes just like moving. It's really fucking, it's weird ass shit. Um, but basically like, and this all applies to I do, but basically just like, you know, I have an instrument and like I'm on the phone with Paul Madison right now In the back of my head thinking of old times on Bleecker Street I guess one time I created a costume contest on Halloween <laughs> Yeah, that shit's me, I guess But even when I do that I wonder in my mind Am I judging myself all the time And why, why, why What's the point of life if you don't got friends by your side? You know, and just like mm-hmm. making stuff up and doing that every day. And I wrote this song called Brooklyn in the Summer during one of those digs, and it expanded into a song, and it got to Aloe Black. He ended up recording it, and it took a year to get the song together. But in that year, he and I became like friends and started working a bunch and uh december a year from last december i knew he was going to do a new album so i like got lunch with him and said you know we've done some good stuff brooklyn this summer why don't we try to do a whole week of writing um and we did in that first week of february 
and I just started dating um, Evangelia, who's mm-hmm. unbelievable, and my girlfriend now, and we've been together for about a year and a half now. And uh, I remember I wrote a poem that day. It was like Alan and I were doing two sessions a day for five days, so it was a lot. Um, that's a lot, bro. That's a, a lot. that's an intensive <laughs> writing session. Yeah, it was. It and was. were you living together or, or hanging together? Like um, in he, the non writing time? He's so he's a super cool guy. He would just like I didn't have a car at the time in LA, so he'd pick me up at my house. We'd go to the first session, and the sessions were broken down because he's got kids. So we'd do like I think we did like twelve to four, and then he'd go with his family from like four to eight. And then we'd do another session from like eight to midnight. So this was a night session um, with my friend Solly, who's a writer, actually from the Upper East Side, New York girl, and a guy who's become mm-hmm. one of my closest friends out here named John Levine, who actually, you know, I don't know if you know him, but we've talked about him because he's the one who Rachel Platten worked with and came up with the sound and wrote and, and produced Fight Song with her. Um, ah, <clears throat> small, so yeah, do, like the whole I, I, world yeah. connects with that shit, right? Isn't that yep, crazy? Yeah, that like I remember talking crazy. about him in that record and be like, "Who's this?" <laughs> I think we were all like, "Who's this fucking guy?" <laughs> like coming in, who's and, this like, fucking guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. Now, now he's your buddy. You're now like, he's hey, like John, one of my up, closest dude? friends. Yeah, and this was the day that I met John, and we came in, and that day I had written a poem. You know, I bet you I even have it somewhere. Um. But I had written a poem this morning. Hey, I have it. February 6, 2019 at 12.50 a.m. I lived a whole life thinking I knew what it meant to love. Then I met you. Now I know that everything before was just stretching out my heart so it can handle what you make me feel. Everything. Um, and I read Beautiful. that in the room. And Aloe doesn't do a lot of love songs. He actually has an acronym for his message um this, he's a guy who has like a lot of clarity in thought and focus and life and a really good person um and his acronym is aim which i think he changed one of them but i think it's aspirational inspirational and motivational it's something like that um so all mm-hmm. the songs are that like right they're meant to something to for you to aspire to or to inspire you or motivate you um, and this one, we wanted to write something that was like in that lane, but about love. And he's been with his wife for many years. And, um, I read that poem and we basically started building the song from there. And it came pretty, it came pretty quick. I remember Evangelia was in Japan and we had like, it was the first time we hadn't seen each other in a while. And I was like, just feeling all kinds of high school shit, you know? <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. I'm going to get and my phone charger and from so the that other was... side of the room right now, Paul Madison, but we're still talking. That's okay. So four of you in the room, because I remember, I always thought you said something pointed about the, the magic of uh, writing songs with two people. I agree with that. I actually had a whole conversation with an artist this morning about that, but I do think there's... I think there's magic in writing songs with any size group of people, just depending, depending on that group of people and, and the energy is so vital. And especially I've been thinking about it a lot because like 
this is, I've probably done 200 sessions a year for the last two years. And all of those sessions with other people. And as soon as quarantine mm-hmm. hit, I was like, what's the thing that would be most valuable for me to do right now? And I realized I hadn't written by myself since uh, that years? Brooklyn in the summer time. Yeah, where I wrote probably like, I wrote a song a day, every day for three or four months, basically like allowing myself to have something to focus on so I didn't break down thinking about <laughs> the massive change in my life and my breakup mm. and all of that. Um, so I've d- dove into that again for the last three or four weeks and writing by myself. And it's just like, I think taught me about, like you can get in all the clinical and technical and strategies around songwriting, but I always am personally drawn to what does it take to get to something that's truthful and has an energy and a flow to it that's like not fucked with by your own fear or your own tension Mm -hmm. in a room um and talking about what you're talking about like yeah like if there's a vibe with two people in a room and things just like are going and moving and you're not second guessing your ideas to a point where i feel like like we can't create a chart right now or see it visually but if you imagine like a vertical line and a thought at the top of that line and a thought happens and then that thought can lead you to the next thought and the next thought and the next thought and let's imagine them for now being linear but say in one of those thoughts you're like oh fuck I really want this person to like me and now that thought is no longer in that path it moves over somewhere else and if you keep moving over Mm. with those thoughts and those impulses and you don't allow them to come it's hard to be creating something that's inspired and feels truthful, whether it's a metal song or a folk song or a, it, could it doesn't be any matter. Style, yeah. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter. So yeah, that day we were all really aligned and Aloe and I were definitely in, in a, in sync. Cause we've been spending all fucking day together for five days. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Thursday night after four days of co-writing. Yeah, just yeah, exhausted. Yeah. My power to him, man. It takes a lot of, in- uh, commitment in that kind of session jay how many songs let's say after a week of writing like how many songs did you and aloe kind of like leave there with roughly seven to ten um seven to ten tunes yeah yeah. and i would say like seven that we talk about (laughs) three that no one speaks about you know Three songs that I, <laughs> three songs that I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Um, that's the that's the that's the crucial thing. I Bess Rogers always said that to me a million years ago, and I've said it on this podcast a million times. It's like you have to write through all of your other thoughts and other crap to get to the good stuff, where the good the the flow and the energy, because it's that's where that exists and I think your dig exercise it like keeps that creative muscle fresh right do you feel weird if you don't do a dig for three days or something I do I also I heard like Hans Zimmer said this once and it like simultaneously inspired me and also completely fucking freaked me out where he's like every time I sit down to do anything I am completely freaked out and think to myself oh god I can't, this is the time that I can't do it. (laughs) This is the time. I don't know how to do this. And you're like, dude, you're Hans Zimmer. Like, you've done this so many times. But I've heard a lot of 
people talk about stuff like that. And that is especially when you're doing it a lot. And those digs are scary um, because you don't know what's going to come up. Uh, But yeah, I think it's like not only does it keep you connected and comfortable and like, I don't know, I guess like I don't think about it quite like this, but like your chops up, you know, like if you're yeah, yeah. just basically playing all the time, you're going to be a stronger player. But it also brings up subconscious things. And as you get more comfortable with that, I think those things start happening more randomly. So it's like, I feel like my process at this point is to give myself the highest chance of something inspired happening and accepting that that won't happen all the time. But if I put myself in that position consistently and have a flow of something that like gets me more comfortable letting go of my fears and blocks and just like, have you ever done breath work or anything like that before? Yes. Yes. So, you know, when like, you're really in that and it could come from like Reiki or yoga or I imagine like running, sports, really anything yes, where I- you're in a flow. If you're resistant to it or I've felt this where like I've been resistant and I could feel this like energy wanting to be in sync inside of me and I'm just like fighting it. I think that mm. that the dig practice for me, but also what you're talking about, like what well, that's always the best. Hey, how do I become a great songwriter? Like, what do I do? Go write a bunch of fucking songs. <laughs> like a, a lot. It's the worst answer, right? Because you're like, oh, I really yeah. want to know. Like, what's the key? What's the secret? And here's the secret. Go write a bunch of songs. And uh, yeah, keep writing. It's and it. Once you get those songs out, just if you two hundred. I mean, you've you just said two hundred sessions. You're a man who writes ten songs a week, probably, right? Easily, probably. It depends. It depends on the week. And things have definitely changed. I'm writing in a different way these days. But like, yeah, like especially first coming out to L.A. and being um, we can get a little bit more into this. I don't even think you and I have totally talked about this trajectory, but I was so focused on my artist project and being, um, you know, like a, an, a recording artist. Um, yes. Yes. No one says recording artist anymore. Everyone says my artist project. I have but an artist. Yeah, I have an artist own, project. <laughs> yes. Your own. Yeah. Artist, yes. And but then your coming out brand. here and starting to write and produce, it was important to just do a lot, um, and not only meet a lot of people, but I think get comfortable in situations where it's like one day you're going to be in a room with four people. I've had sessions recently for um, that Ivan and Peter project with like six people and they're unbelievable. But to just be comfortable with yourself in those different situations and get used Mm -hmm. to the different energies that'll come in. And sometimes working with people who you're like intimidated by, who are massively successful and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to fuck up. I don't want to screw this up. Like normal (laughs) shit that anyone feels that you're not going to talk about, but like. You want to be kind of comfortable. You want to be comfortable that day that, like, you get thrown into the court and you're guarding LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Jay, yeah, you know, I, I, 
I've written in situations greater than two. You know what I mean? And it is a different energy, and it almost kind of it feels um, a little bit more like everybody's trying to get their little their little agenda across. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, well, mm. you know, here's my little word, or here's what if we do this chord, or use this sound, and then it's like it, there is something pure about the two. 2v2, you know what I mean? The two-on-two, the one-on-one songwriting thing. I you, I knew it in my heart, but you kind of gave me the language where I was like, no, he's right. There's something that happens when it's just Lennon and McCarthy or mm-hmm. whomever, you know what I mean? It's like you and I, because it, it, there's something like less like ego-y, like, oh, the third wheel is trying to, maybe these two people have an energy. And probably that's something you probably focus where like, okay, these two are really seeing a vision and maybe I'm going to let my energy just promote their energy taking this song to the next place. Probably you've been in situations like that, right? Yeah. No, 100%. You, There's, yeah. I, I will tell you a metaphor that <laughs> my friend, uh, I won't mention her name because maybe she wouldn't want me to. And I probably wouldn't say this anywhere else, but it feels very appropriate here. But she said that <laughs> like in a songwriting session, there's always... Uh, it's like a, a porn shoot. <laughs> like, there's always a dick and there's always a fluffer. <laughs> and like a heterosexual porn shoot, I guess you'd say. Or like anything with yeah. men. <laughs> yes, uh, man yes. on man, a man men. on girl, however many it is. But there's like, there's a fluffer <laughs> and there's a dick. And I think as ridiculous as that is to say, I do think it's true. Like, if we can leave... I'm embarrassed that I just said that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, no, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. It's honest. And you're, a woman said that to you, and you're like, oh, that's that's a pretty spot-on no, analogy, it's actually. It's true, yeah. man, and it's really difficult yeah. sometimes. I struggle with it, and those are the days that are hardest for me when I leave, and I feel like I, my ego got in the way of me allowing someone else to follow their impulses and instincts and the moment they're having. So I think that like, it's something that's fascinating to be to me about songwriting and being a songwriter is how different that is in so many different scenarios. Like if you're writing yes. completely by yourself or you're writing one-on-one with someone or you're writing to a track or you're producing a track yourself and then singing to it, or you're writing with three people and one of those people is just someone who's having a day and needs the floor. Like on that day, Mm -hmm. that's more like, what are you feeling? And and let's help you. Let's like capture your feelings and all that. But you can't say that because that would probably make someone uncomfortable. So it's like Mm -hmm. doing it in a intuitive way, kind of like a trust fall, like allowing someone to feel comfortable falling. That they'll that you'll have yeah. their back. Yeah, and this is and you're doing it in a commercial, competitive environment where probably if you do or say the wrong thing, people could probably just cut you out of that scene so quickly. I assume, right? You're like, oh, he did this thing. He's not cool. Or <laughs> it's like you're 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 on the inside of the. Yeah. Of, you're you'd like have, in the you'd machine. You'd have to say something right? pretty bad. I <laughs> think. You'd have to do something like pretty terrible to get like excommunicated or or that type of thought. But I do think like early on, yeah, that's what's crazy is you don't want to be, you don't want to. You're not just uh, doing it. Yeah, you're you're at a commercial level with songwriting. Yeah, it's like there's some heavyweight. You're hanging out with heavyweights. It's just you and Aloe Black, or (laughs) or I, you know, I, 
if you are at liberty to speak of the the your experience with Train and Holland Oates, dude. That, yeah, I don't know. Is that is that fair game to talk about? Yeah, yeah, we could talk about it. It makes me think like what you were just saying. I think one of the things that's most challenging is you don't want ever to be changing yourself because you're trying to appease the other person in the room. Like, even if it was, like, Paul McCartney. But at the same time, I forget who who said it. It was someone recently. It might have been Trevor Noah, who is just, like, everyone can pretend that if you're in the room with, like, a massive celebrity that you can just be cool about it. Be like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm just hanging out here with, like... (laughs) Obama and Scarlett Johansson yeah. and Paul McCartney and Billie Eilish and Justin Bieber. Just like a normal day. But he was like, even celebrities get weird around other celebrities. You know, like, it, we're human. And and that will happen. And not even just with celebrities. Like, if it's someone who you are uh, inspired by or someone you have a crush on or whatever, it's going to change the way you are. But I think the totally, hardest lesson. Totally true. Yeah. I think the hardest lesson for me was being like, it's better for me to be like, that sucks. Like, I think you're awesome, but that sucks. Then to be like, oh, no, yeah, cool. Let's just do that. And always be um, always be agreeing with everything. It, it's a, a difficult, it's one of the hardest things. Because mm. your ability to be confident and have confidence in your taste and what feels right to you as a writer and as an artist, that's one of the most important things, right? Is like having that perspective and having that filter. And I think actually people really love it, no matter what, whether they agree or not, because you're like, well, that person, well, I guess they know something, you know? They have have a strong opinion about their thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, of course that's respected in an artistic place. And... And kind of what you were talking about, the flow and the energy, you have to be able to execute it, say it in such a way that you don't smash someone else's ego. It's like a whole like language tap dance that you have to be aware of, right? Like, yep. uh, like it's hard to explain to people what it's like. People who are in non-creative environments, I feel like, let's say some of my friends who come from a business perspective, I'm like, you can't come into a creative space and speak to people like this like this isn't this is crushing the vibe or killing the energy it's like 100%. you can say your piece and say what you want and get your idea executed but you need to do it in this confident but very gentle way <laughs> you know like yeah. like i totally yes that is awesome but is there a way for us to say it that's not as linear you know like is there a way to say it that connects to the message of the song a little bit more or like what is that experience for you? You know, like, yes, talking about California is cool, but you're not from California. Like, where are you from? (laughs) 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 And and that's like a, yeah, roundabout way of being like, that is a shitty idea. (laughs) Let's find another one. Um, (laughs) Yes, yeah. It's it's, like creative uh, creative speak, you know what I mean? It's like you can't just say, hey, dude, your thing sucks. We got to do something cooler. Like, you can't talk to people like that, especially in the environments you're in. And especially, and I feel like, you know, Jay, as an educator, and I teach the songwriting classes, I feel like that's what I'm really trying to give to them. I'm Mm. like, when you go into an environment with other creatives, this language is how we speak to each other. This is what you're learning right now, how to say, hey, this is cool, and I like this, and I like this, but I think your bridge is pretty weak. Is there a way we can make this better? You know, like, it's like, 
My mother used to call that, this phrase sounds so dated, but like stroking the cat, that sounds like mm. incredibly dated in, yeah. in 1970s or something. Like but. pretty sexual, but that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Classic <laughs> P-man. Yeah, you know, I'm just trying to sneak my, uh, a couple in My there, mother you know? used to call that stroking, <laughs> stroking the cat. That's You're so listening to... Up, uh, <laughs> that's so fucked up. <laughs> I just got really close to the mic when I said that. Oh, that's like good. No, it's good. I liked it. All right, so you're not from Philly. You're not from Philly. Tell us about the Philly song with Holland Oates, bro. I'm, you told me these stories in confidence. Yeah, and yeah. And then, Jay, just so you know, just so Secret Famous fans know, <laughs> we literally postponed the date of this just so I, you were like, well, I can't, um, I can't go on the record about these stories yet. And now you can. Because you told them to me. You had me in stitches telling me these train stories. So tell us about the Holland <laughs> oh Oates trains. God. Okay, these co-writes, these stories are great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was actually also related to Brooklyn in the summer. So that was all like the beginning of growing and embracing and accepting that this was like the place I wanted to be more focused as a writer and a producer as opposed to an artist, at least for mm -hmm. this period of my life. Um, yeah. And Train was managed by, is managed by Crush Management, which I don't know if you've heard, but they're... They have Weezer, Panic at the Disco. They're an unbelievable company um, and make really smart choices, even being seen with like Train and Weezer and Panic, like bands that have been around for some of them over 20 years, still being yeah. really relevant, you know, and having huge hit songs. Super and I mean, relevant, that yeah. Weezer cover album was just brilliant. Just such a smart. The move. last album? Yeah. Yeah. It was so good, right? Yeah, the Teal one. Um, that was the cover one, right? Yeah, yeah, it was all covers and like weird covers, and then some of them like not even ran. Like it just felt like Weezer was playing the exact arrangement at your wedding. <laughs> like that's what yes. it felt like. It felt like they weren't like, bit. yeah, I we're gonna like really were... mess with this one. They're like, nope, we are playing. Uh, <laughs> everybody rules the world. All right, guys, you know the key. Let's. Uh, <laughs> we're playing it down. Let's go, boys. Charts. <laughs> Billy Jean, take on me. Yes, but knowing I, like how he works, I think it was all super conscious and intentional. Um, and so they had sent Brooklyn the Summer and a host of songs that me and my friend Jordan Palmer had written. Jordan mm -hmm. and I did the production for Brooklyn in the Summer, and it was like, oh, dude, it was wild, right? Because I had just gone. So this was still in the year that I was like finding myself. I was single for the first time in 10 years. So I'd gone to South America for like three weeks with my friend Noah. Yeah. And we fucking raged on New Year's Eve in Cartagena. And like, oh, my God. I don't think I had slept in two days pretty much by the time I got on the plane and I got to the, on the <laughs> to plane come back to the States. And, yeah. yeah. To go back to the States. I had to go to Houston. Yeah. I left my suitcase in Miami cause I forgot that like I came from another country. So I had to take my suitcase with me out of customs. That was a mess. And I got to Houston. <laughs> I had to play a show. It was like a mental health, uh, like one of my raw emotions concerts where it's a combination of like talking about an emotion and playing songs, like the evolution mm -hmm. of myself, and the artist project, um, and then fly up to Seattle to write with uh, Pat Monahan for, I guess we were there for three days. Um, and we, <laughs> I don't know how much of this story to tell. So we get there, I'm burnt out, I barely had a voice, but I sleep a bit more, we're chilling, 
feel a little better, we get in the room. And Pat, who is incredibly direct, a brilliant songwriter. Like, that was probably yeah. the first time. Because even with Aloe, I hadn't really written with him yet. Like, Pat was probably is the first hit songwriter I ever worked with. And pretty quickly into writing with him, I was reminded, I was like, oh, right. You've written many hit songs. You are just... <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, I have rocked yeah. summer camps you with Hazel Sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. <laughs> and he gets in there and he goes, listen, your Brooklyn summer song's great. I don't, I don't want that song. And me and Hall & Oates aren't going to cut that song. But it's great. I like you. It's cool. I need a song for me and Hall and & Oates. Daryl could be a pain in the ass. Good guy. Super opinionated. Let's get fucking to work. <laughs> We're going to beat this Brooklyn song and make something better. Like, more or less that. Um, yeah. It should not, you know, like, I don't know. He'd probably say it. Not Daryl's a bad person or anything, but just that, like, you know, he's extremely particular. Um, yeah. And Which is okay with someone at his level. Yeah. Yeah. And he's allowed so to be. That was probably, like, the first real foray into writing with people that I had listened to for years, you know, and love mm-hmm. their songs. And now I'm in a room, kind of what I was saying, having to be the one to be like, yes, yes, but can we beat that? Or like, mm-hmm. here's like the bad pitch of this, right? Like, if the song is about love for your wife, but can we give like an undertone of fear of what happens after you guys die? You know, mm, just so that yeah. there's like, you don't even have to hit it the whole time, but just so that there's some, you know what I mean? And being able to say those things in a room with a friend is one thing, but all of a sudden with new people is a whole other. Um, but it was great. And the first day we wrote, I actually love the song. Nothing ever happened with it. A song called like, I think we called it Red Wine. And then the next day we wrote Philly Forget Me Not like real fast. And he's like, this is great. And Pat's not from Philadelphia, but he is from Pennsylvania. And I don't know shit about fucking Philadelphia. So I was literally like on Google, like researching like Philadelphia iconic music venue. (laughs) 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 Um, But we picked a bunch of stuff and pulled it out and just like carved out a song that felt like it was celebrating the city that really, I mean, in terms of we were too young, but in the 80s, Hall and Oates were like Drake. You know, like they were dominating. They were mm, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And in their city, everywhere. they were heroes. Um, so we wanted to write something special like that. And uh, and we did. And it was the fastest I've ever seen anything move in my life. He's like, okay, great. I'm going to call Daryl and their management and blah, blah. And the next morning, he's like, they love it. They're cutting it. It's coming out in three months. And we're like, oh, okay. wow, that's what that's what power looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is such a great, great. And you wrote you and Jordan were with him for three days writing. And this happened on the second day. Philadelphia. Forget me not. Philly. Forget me not. Yeah, it was day two that we wrote mm-hmm. Philly. Forget me not. I think. Um, and then I think the last day we spent like recording more vocals for that and you know, guitar parts and this, that, and the other. Um, Is your voice on that track? I think there are backup harmonies somewhere, yeah. Yeah, because I was like, I was listening to that track today, and I was like, man, I think I hear Jay. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, that's Jay. I think that's Jay, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
It was um, crazy, the man. Part of, the part of this story that you're not telling that I'm going to tell your story <laughs> only because you made me laugh so hard is that <laughs> I love... Because Jay and I were sharing a cup of coffee. You're telling this story, and then this guy, this dude... The dude in train looks at you and goes, now you're earning your fucking coffee. Oh, yeah, he did. And <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, that was the second. Yeah. He had a moment. It was the moment where I realized that he was kind of testing me, being like, are you good? Um, and that and I remember, that was dude, good. Goes, I remember now your you're response. earning your fucking coffee. And in my head, I'm like, I don't even drink coffee, dude. I haven't yeah, drank really any of your coffee. <laughs> I've been sitting here, like, I've had some wine, I've drank water, I've had tea, but definitely no coffee. <laughs> so, I haven't had your coffee. What is this motherfucker talking about? I, yeah, man. I no, love he's that story, a, dog. He's a funny guy. Oh, bro, that cracked me up. You're like, but I'm not even having any coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so the dude in train, I don't know, man. There's just something about you saying, like... You're just sitting there like, yeah, okay, but I can just see you being like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Mora was in my head is like, dude, I earned my coffee the second I got in this room. Let's be real. <laughs> You're like, dude, you owe me coffee, dude. Damn. <laughs> no, but what I mean, I will say like that is important, right? Like, I don't even know if it meant that you're good or bad, more like you're really showing up. You know, you're not phoning it in. You're here right now pushing yourself and me and challenging all of us to find something great. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is great. No, it, that must have been a magical moment, man. The dude from Train. And do you still keep in contact with that cat, or does that, will you guys do another write again, or I don't know? Yeah, don't we've stayed in touch you're... a bit. I went and saw um, two of the shows. I saw them in Philly, which was cool, mm -hmm. getting to hear them play the song. Um, and then I was, I had a gig in New Orleans and it, Train was randomly playing with, oh, who were they playing? Oh, with Hall and Oates, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were playing with Hall and Oates, so I just like, last minute went to that show and got to see him and the band and, um, yeah, it was cool. That is super cool, bro. That is, that's like, every musician in New York was just like, that is so Cool. <laughs> it's definitely weird. It was weird because, like, how many times had we covered, like, a fucking Hall & Oates song at some random gig, you know? Every gig. Uh, like, so random. Did you do that weird gig with me where I don't remember who it was. It was, I think it was Jason. But, like, Hall & Oates were maybe going to play this wedding like somewhere, mm -hmm. it's some pier on the water, and they needed like a backup band. Oh yeah, what was that guy's name from Apollo Run? John McGrew, was that his name? Um, John was the singer, Jeff was the bass player. I don't remember the drummer. And John was gonna do it, but he couldn't do it, and they're like, Jay, can you like last minute learn a bunch of these Hall & Oates songs? Because we're not sure Hall & Oates are gonna come. Um, and honestly, I didn't know many Hall & Oates songs. I knew that like, Mayo's dad was in a Hall and Oates and I'd heard mm -hmm. songs, but I wasn't like super familiar with Hall and Oates. But I had to learn four, like, really learn these four Hall and Oates songs because if Hall and Oates didn't show up, we had to basically be Hall and Oates. And then they didn't show up and I did these songs. So that like full circle ness of like writing the first song, first new song Hall and Oates had cut in like 16 years 
was uh, was weird, and being like, "That's I hope crazy." People like it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an absolutely crazy story. Oh man, um, where are the Hall and Oates guys based? Are they in New York? Yeah, uh, I think he's in Connecticut now. I think Daryl's. He's in Connecticut now. In Connecticut. And because he kind of didn't runs we the show. didn't Jason Jay Jay. Didn't oh, we? Yeah, years we went to his this, house. Or remember, something. we played at his house, <laughs> yeah, and it did. was. We did. We did. We played at his house. Yeah, it was weird. There was like the universe was like hovering around Hall and Oates. <laughs> yeah, in yeah, my yeah. life, because my friend Michael Vaughn, who's uh, an amazing, like iconic, the most handsome man I've ever met, hair stylist in New York, mm-hmm. does Daryl's hair and is friends with him too, and actually had given Daryl my record, like five years before this and they were hanging out and he's like oh you know I know like uh, Stolar the guy who wrote on Philly Forget Me and he goes oh that's awesome like is he a cool guy and Michael and Vaughn's no bullshit goes he is his music's great too I gave it to you five years ago and you never fucking listened to it (laughs) (laughs) so there were a lot of weird full circle moments that that is so funny yeah (laughs) Because I feel like the gig we did at Daryl's house, I remember be like Jay's like, yeah, we're gonna go do a gig at Daryl's house. I'm like, okay, dude, and we and it's like one of those things. And wasn't it a tequila tasting or something? I don't remember what it was. Or why I don't we remember. Did I remember it was Jamie Allegra and Seth Andercheck, and I was like, man, this is a huge rhythm section. So I was having the time of my life anyway. <laughs> but I think that was probably when they were probably getting to know, like Jay the front man so i'm like they have no idea what they're in for right now i'm like dude it's wild that's like like a that's like a different part of my life that's no longer part of my life which is very odd at times i am confident that that will come back though jay come on no i think so but in a different way yeah i I probably won't be like Hanging off of rafters and starting uh, <laughs> costume <laughs> contests, <laughs> but there'll be some sort of performative element. Yeah, there might be a thing. I got off a call today with NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, and we're working mm-hmm. on an event called Raw Emotions Conversations, which would basically be conversations with um, artists and the writers and producers that they work with, and just talking about an emotion and how it affects your life and how it's impacted your music and then playing something related to that music. Um, sorry, related to that emotion, but it'd mm-hmm. be really cool. Beautiful. And I feel like those types, yeah, those types of things, you, you are right. All those fucking shows that we did, man, they come in handy in different ways in ways that you would Absolutely. never have thought about so many shows. Would you like to talk a little bit about how you got involved with, Raw emotions, or I don't even know all the language, your mental health project, and how that kind of, when did you get involved in that, and how is that involved in your life, and give, tell us, tell us, the listener, like, what, what that is for you, and, because you've talked about it twice a little bit, I think, you clue us all in. Yeah, um, so, I think it was five years ago, um, it was my friend Caroline Pennell, who's mm-hmm. an artist and incredible writer, and she and I have had a, a wild, a wild path together from writing when I think I was twenty one and she was like twelve. 
um, something like that. And mm-hmm. now we still write together and are in the same scene here in LA. But we did a tour. That's so amazing. Um, yeah. And I've had my own experiences with mental health challenges and mental illness throughout my life. And when I was 20 years old, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, and throughout my life, finding a way of making that a positive thing has been, I guess, arguably like the most challenging thing I've ever done and the most Mm -hmm. present part of like the internal world of my mind. And that ranged from at first like taking different medications and trying to find that was what was right and uh, balance of meditation and exercise and finding the right friends and just like finding an overall an overall way that that could essentially be a superpower and be mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. that like whether it's in a songwriting room or with a friend or in a moment like in quarantine where it's like some amount of anxiety and depression is inevitable knowing that I've gone so dark and so deep that I have the strength to come out of of whatever it is no matter how scary it is, I will find my way out. Um, Mm -hmm. And having had those experiences is powerful. And at its worst, you can imagine how frightening it is, you know? Um, And I think I realized around that time that, like, I hadn't spoken about it too much, and I started to hear more about organizations where people were speaking about their, their mental health and the importance of just being okay with talking about mental illness um, and that it's not something negative to say that, you know, oh, I've, I have depression or, you know, I am, I'm bipolar or whatever it is, um, that they've, they've become these terms that we have just filled with all types of judgment and Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases negativity whereas like the truth is we don't even understand it right like bipolar disorder is not one thing it doesn't mean that like you're really high and you're really low and you're it's 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 nuanced um and there's so much to it so it felt like if there was a simple way to support the cause was just like tell my story and talk about it openly. Um, and maybe if I were to get on a stage and tell people, you know, like when I was 20 years old, it came after two years of like drinking and partying and overeating and being so scared and depressed that I almost killed myself. But I'm mm-hmm. here and I have incredible friends and a healthy lifestyle and practice. Hopefully that would inspire someone who maybe was depressed but hadn't told anyone to like go home and tell their mom or dad or girlfriend or grandfather or boyfriend or whatever it is, hey, I'm not feeling so good, you know? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So to just have that, yeah, it felt like, a calling for me of something I really wanted to do. 
and I've been involved in that for a while. And about uh, around. What is, so, what is the name of the organization that you do these um, talks for? Th- there's a bunch of them. Um, the Jed Foundation is one main organization I've worked with that like provide um, some of the. Basically, they provide mental health services on college campuses. Like, that's one of the main things they do, but they do a lot more than that. And then they have an mm-hmm. organization called Love is Louder under that that I worked with. And Love is Louder yes, is were- pretty simple. Just like, I support speaking up about mental health. It's, and I yes. love how clear that messaging is. Um, and then I recently started doing some things with the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, um, I've worked with an organization called Kindred, which is now working to like combine uh, mental health advocates who are creatives with brands to like create campaigns and just different ways to reach people and talk about mental health. Um, yeah, but it hasn't been, I haven't been able to do it super consistently. And it's actually been one of the positives of quarantine. As I've thought, like, you know what? This might be a good time to start posting more and sharing more about my experiences on social media. Um, and I did a talk last week with an artist called Elohim. I think you'd really like. She's amazing. Um, with mm-hmm. Nami. And we just, like, talked about, kind of like this, but just, like, had a, a conversation. Like, how are you doing during this? And what are your feeling? And what are your anxieties? And what are your, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then played a song related to it. Um, so that really became a part of like my identity as an artist about a year and a half ago. But ironically, that was the same time that I basically decided I was going to take a full year and not try to make a dollar or do anything commercially focused for myself as an artist. I was going to be completely focused as a writer and a producer and make music for myself and really take a big break. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did. I made huge changes. Like everyone around me from management and just everything, it felt like I had hit a wall and there was a lot of negative energy around it and a lot of sadness and heartbreak and, you know, almost signing with a major label and then not and almost this and not and almost this and not and it was many years of that and it started to become it just started to become painful to keep trying to generate income from this thing that I loved so much and felt like I would have had to compromise a lot to do it and and it was interesting too because Wexler, me, Jason, uh, Devin, uh, Collins, drummer, and Patrick's unbelievable bass player. It was I was playing with like we had I feel like just found like the best live sound of my life with a band. Yeah, and the songs Devin's were disgusting. Patrick's great. Yeah, so it was so beautiful like everything that was being made. But it was one of those one of the biggest lessons in my life of like just because something is happening and I mean to be real like just because something's happening and you can do it doesn't mean that you're supposed to do it at that moment um yeah and I imagine like a bunch of like palm ad students and uh people are gonna 
you know, who are artists or becoming artists listen to this kind of, like, listen to your podcast. But I think that that's so, so important and so hard to know when to let go of something, even just for a little bit. Like, like you said, it yeah, comes back. It's, like, it's, it, it, it is very, very hard. And sometimes you got to let go. I've found, like, not to what for anyone else but i've found like sometimes i've had to let go of something i love in order to find my way back to myself um mm-hmm. and that is definitely what happened right as i started to understand who i was as an artist i realized i just needed i needed a break and in the last year after having projects that are so diverse from electronic music projects to like just straight up female pop to rock projects and like having so much diversity in the world of music I create, but each of those things being so specific, I realized that the reason I don't think I was ever able to feel completely grounded and whole as an artist is because I was trying to, to fulfill every single part of my life with this one thing, yeah. which is fucking impossible. You know, impossible. Yeah, mm-hmm. Impo- literally impossible. Um, so I think now, having finally taken a year and a half away, and I really was planning on taking even more, but the with the quarantine, I was like, you know what? This might be the time to like really hone my production and writing by myself. And why don't I use myself as an experiment? Um, and create a sound and write and record it and mix it and produce it and all of that stuff. And it's Mm. starting to like, I don't know what I'll do with it. Um, but at least on a creative side, getting back to making music, like I was in my parents' basement and I just like had to say, I want out of this life that I'm in. (laughs) Um, yeah. That's um, that's amazing. That w- I lost the connection down the last part. So you just said you're making music like you're in your like a 13 year old again, or like when you first started making music, you're back to like that. With that yeah. energy, that energy, it's filled with a lot more like. Well, I guess the same amount of pain. Like I think that's what I forget. Like especially writing by yourself, I always feel like, oh, I should be having fun right now because I'm making music. And it is fun, but it's also painful. It's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming up against stuff like Mm. uh, the things that maybe I've ignored or the things I'm most afraid of and really wanting to like sit and look at those. So it's hard. Um, And with the project, like you were saying, I think I want to continue to explore this relationship between openly talking about emotions and how that relates to music um, and just create things inspired by those conversations and those feelings and be open about it. And it's intense sometimes, you know, like I'm going to post something. I, I actually had one of those breathwork sessions and a lot of stuff came up and I had like just a moment where I wanted to make kind of like a little performance art type thing where I'm just, mm-hmm. it was basically just being like, to the part of myself that hates me, that says I suck, that tells me I'm ugly, that tells me, 
you know, even if you make it, you've never made it because you're going to be fucked. Fuck you, blah, blah, blah. Like, (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) I I hear you. I appreciate appreciate you. But fuck you, first of all. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I love you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, just to like be creative in a way where it's not tied to a commercial outcome. Um, That's such a beautiful, pure and like freeing thing, right? Yeah. It's it's tough to, uh, it's tough to get to that place and be so comfortable that you can even listen to that music, man. Right? Like sometimes those songs that you write, it's like, oh, that's not me. But when you listen back and you have to be like, that is actually who I am. Yeah, that's. That's beautiful, Jay. What a, what a, what a, this is in that way for us creative cats, like, and anybody who's making or creating anything and how introspective we've been able to get with this kind of gift of time, you know? Yeah. No, totally. And it's been, uh, I don't know how it's been for you. I like to hear more. But it's definitely been a bit of a mirror where it's like, oh, these are all my issues around being a man. Like these are all my issues around need for external validation and these are all my mm-hmm. issues around being afraid to really grow up and fuck I'm stuck in this house for who knows how long and I can't do the thing that my entire new world has been built around which is like working and writing songs and finishing songs with people in person I need to change the way I'm doing things and changing the way you're doing things regardless of what it is is hard you know that that's always hard it's always hard and yeah and there's this funny battle now too like because of this it's like you're trying to do the things you used to do but it's not the same like Mm -hmm. for example I'm sure you've been trying to do co-writes on Zoom, right? Like a a couple co-writes I've tried to do. It's like, this is very, this barrier is a whole new challenge to learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally different. Um, It's totally different. The energy and the way you're feeling energy, you're like, this is, I can't tell if this person is into this or not right now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Are you doing the breath work stuff like online with a teacher um this amazing woman in new york named alice wells i've done some sessions with her in person and we've actually been doing like a combo of like therapy and a little bit of breath work and to be honest i never really believed in energy work um Mm -hmm. but after having done some work with her and reiki with some other people and meditating, <coughs> I do believe that there's something really powerful in that, you know? So powerful. You were doing the meditation thing. You were one of the first people I know in my sphere to be, like, really focused and committed on working on some meditation, developing yeah. that practice. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been, like, six years or seven years, something like that now, which is wild. Yeah. Do you do, you do that every day? Is that a part of your... Because, dude, come on, Jay, you have, it. like, I can't imagine you slowing down. So, like, for someone like you who has 
not only you do so much, so I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine you actually slowing down. You know, <laughs> like it's Jay stole hard ours, for me Jay to stole slow ours down. <laughs> first gear is like my fifth gear. You know, <laughs> like the um, amount of your bandwidth for projects. We haven't even talked. We've we've barely scratched the surface of some of the other things that you simultaneously do. Well having a whole career as a songwriter, you know? Right. Um, Ivan yeah, and I, Peter, I, I, yeah. production company, you know? Yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to talk about some of that stuff. But, yeah, I do meditate every day, and I try to basically now do a meditation and then one of the digs. Um, and that's become, like, the most sustainable. I've had periods where I've done, like, a little bit of journaling, too, and I don't know, I'd like to build it out a little bit more. That's another thing with the quarantine time. Like, you kind of have no... It's hard for me to be like, oh, I don't know. I can't take 40 minutes in the morning. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I kind of (laughs) can. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, yeah. Might as well take that time. Paul, I need to get a glass of water. Can I do that real quick? You absolutely can. I want to take a pause and then we we I could even... Let's leave it running. It will literally take me one minute. This will take me 30 to 45 seconds. Okay, because I'm going to go pee then. Okay, great. Let's do that. But I'll, I'll keep be right the whole back. thing running. Okay, bye. I won't stop the track. Yeah, go. neither will I. Be right back. Going to pee. Hold on, hold on. Oh, are we going to stay on the AirPods? Oh man, that was funny. <clears throat> well, Jay, Jay and I have each other on AirPods and we're talking into microphones. So as I left, Jay and I could still talk. <laughs> well, for the record, Paul now I'm on the mic. You're on the mic. To the bathroom. Um, <laughs> And I heard him I flush to the be. toilet. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> right. oh, that was very comical. That was very comical. This is. I'm sure this will come out fine, but this is this. Jay, when I started Secret Famous, I was always like, I want it to be in person. I want it to be mistakes. Mm-hmm. I want breath. I want to. I want tangents that make no sense. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like I want this superhuman element to it. That's something that's cool to me. So. Well, it was it good. I think my microphone can... was muted, but yeah, like what I said is that Paul went to the bathroom, flush the toilet. That's the kind of comfort we have right now. Oh. 
Jay, don't even don't even make me talk about toilet flushing. <laughs> so, but to continue this thread, because I am fascinated by this, because someone like you who's so productive and so successful, you're doing, I forget the exact numbers you said, like 40 minutes of a dig, some breath work, some meditation, <clears> first <throat> thing in the morning, right? Well, it's been, to be honest, it's been inconsistent time-wise. Um, mm -hmm. Like, sometimes it'll be 20 minutes, sometimes it'll be 30 minutes, and I haven't been, like, 8 a.m. or 8.30 a.m. every day, but I'm going to try that the next couple weeks and see how that goes, and see if maybe, maybe the truth for me is that I actually do like it more being, like, not the second I wake up, like an hour or two after I wake up. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I have been enjoying that. But the problem with it is then it's like kind of piecemeal. And you're like, all right, I got to fit this in between this thing and that thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think having some kind of morning practice is uh, huge, especially as an artist. I think as for anybody, it'd probably be good. But as an artist, it's super, super valuable. And... Jay, something maybe with the quarantine time, I, I always, it's the blessing when I find a day because Jay hit me to digs years ago and I always liked, you do the dig, then maybe I like to like let it live for a second, maybe mm. go for a walk and then maybe listen to it and then you hear it so differently, I think, if you don't listen to it like instantaneously afterwards. Have you found that with your kind of dig practice dude i haven't even been like i probably have a hundred of these i haven't listened to which i've thought about like might be good to take some time to start literally carving through them but it's become a little bit more of a like therapy practice for me like i'm just gonna get this out and let it go and sometimes there'll be something really prominent that comes from those morning ones but usually yeah I'm just kind of letting them go but as I've been writing more by myself I'll do another one like as I have a writing session by myself I'll start it with mm -hmm. that and those are different because then I'm like <clears throat> finding my way but as soon as I find something I like I'm like ooh, that's cool I'm gonna sit with that some more um and then keep going and then come back and keep going and come back and that's kind of been my writing process like by myself and then I get up walk around try I've been trying to talk to myself more <laughs> um consciously do you because, did you do yeah. did you were you already someone who talked to yourself this is an interesting thing to talk about I'm fascinated by this um I have like as before, a kid or like no I have life. before like in like Jay this is okay we don't need to freak out about it. This is what's actually happening, like trying to talk to myself. Um, mm -hmm. But in the creative stuff, I found it helpful to ask myself the questions I would ask someone else. Like what is, or say it out loud, like what, okay, so the song is about trying at a time when it's hard to try. And trying, even though you know that you can't beat depression or you can't beat feeling a certain way, it's about trying to just trying and that that's all that fucking matters is trying so this is a song i was writing a, a last week or two weeks ago 
And the whole second verse was like about depression and this, that, and the other. And I, by talking out loud, I realized like, oh, that verse is about something completely unrelated to what I'm trying to say. That's why this doesn't feel good. Um, mm. So it's helpful to, yeah, I find it helpful to talk to myself a bit. Um, but it is weird and challenging to like feel comfortable doing some. You know, trying to do it more. <clears throat> well, what about you? Like you, my you wife, talk to yourself? No, I've talked to myself my whole life. Like, so I think, you know, like my brother and sister are much older. So I probably spent a lot of time alone from second grade to whatever. So, like, Rachel always comments that, like, I will literally just be talking to myself, but not even fully conscious of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, huh. I will be having a monologue out loud and I maybe I'm not even necessarily aware that I am doing it. It's like <clears throat> I'm processing either past situations where maybe I would say something differently the way a situation went down, a social situation always, mm -hmm. or I'm processing <laughs> a future interaction. Like for example, I have probably had a conversation with you in my head leading up to this, like, for the past two days. Hmm. I'm like, these are what I'm going to say to Jay, and this is how I'm going to say it. But even in this heat of the moment, none of that ever materializes. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> like, it's this is what Jay and I could talk about. This is how we could talk about it. And, like, it never, ever goes down the way, but it's, like, it's my brain's way of, like, sorting through stuff? I, I, I don't know. So I've never actually done it in the way that you just implied though I think that's really fascinating to like write a song or your piece or a dig and then be like what is ask yourself because like yeah I'm working with students where I ask them like what is the message of this lyric what is the message of this song right this like positive? you're always asking other people questions and I think that's what hit oh. me because I haven't done this in a while I was like well no one's fucking asking me right now so I gotta ask myself <laughs> like what do you actually feel about this <laughs> like uh, what scares you the most about this, Jay? <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and it's weird, but it works. Flip. <laughs> you have to flip yourself and then kind of answer the question to the person that you just asked. Like, yeah. So that's that's an interesting concept that I will uh, I will take from this and try. That's interesting. <laughs> that's awesome. Because yeah, I think the thing about my talking to myself, as I as I just said, is I don't actually. Well, it's happening. I don't know if I'm fully cognizant. It's like a a feature that's outside of my consciousness. It's like a subconscious. If I was just sitting somewhere and looking at the tree for two hours, mm. this is probably what I just thought about, you know? Mm. Or, you know what I find? When you're reading and your brain slips away and you just read two pages and you're like, I didn't retain any of that. I was mm -hmm. thinking. And I think those are sometimes moments where... It's like I'm talking back and forth to myself, and I'm like, I have to go back and read those pages because I clearly didn't pay any attention to them. So, But I read them, you know? When you're rereading them, you're like, I just read this. I don't know. The brain is a fascinating place. There's no, no question about that. No question. So, let's see, Jay. There's so much I wanted to talk to you about. Um... <clears throat> I hear through the grapevine, basically, your business ventures are leading you maybe to starting a full kind of artist production company right now. Is that something that you're doing right now? Yeah. Um, for, like, the sake of simplicity, I've just been calling everything raw emotions. <laughs> um, yeah. 
And I think what I found is from all those years of just being focused as an artist, <sighs> that felt good. Um, there, it, it, do people usually burp on the show? Uh, yes, because I usually feed them seltzer. Oh, so that's wow. totally fine. Okay, yeah. great. So we're just going to pretend we're in person. You're feeding me seltzer. But I found like <laughs> through writing songs with different artists and then having them put them out and not being connected at all to like the artwork, the music video, the uh, narrative around the song that the artist is talking about in interviews and things like that. If I was feeling like that part of my life was missing... Um, and a lot of songs I write are with artists that I'll have, you know, nothing, I'll have no involvement once the song is done. So when, uh, this was not this December, but a year ago. So December of 2018, um, when I basically made that decision to not commercially focus on artist stuff, I went on, this was after that Columbia trip. I went on another trip to Ecuador for like three weeks by myself and like studied Spanish and I told you that I went surfing on the beach. I did not love surfing mm. as much as you love surfing, but I did like it. <laughs> it's okay. I was, dude, the uh, ocean is the ultimate. The ocean is the ultimate. Yes, that's okay. And uh, then I, uh, what were I talking about? Oh yeah, so I came back and I was like, all right, you know what? I want to develop some projects. And I had this project with my best friend, David, um, called Ivan and Peter, which is fucking outrageous. Um, and you know some about, and I could talk <laughs> yeah, some more yeah. about that. And then Evangelia and I had, like, just fallen, like, madly in love. And you really, like, felt... I've, I have met my soulmate. Like, I've met someone mm -hmm. who I'm... Whether, whether there's only one person for you in the world, I don't know, but I've found someone... Like, we've found each other, and it just fits. And it was super exciting and inspiring. And she actually had been laid off as a teacher, um, like, nine months before that. So she had a master's in education and was a full-time teacher, I, I think, either two or three years. And they did budget cuts in her town, and basically they cut all the youngest teachers. So she had an artist project. The direction was like still finding its way, and she was just starting to do all these sessions. And I was like, you know what? Maybe let's like try and see what happens if we work together because either it'll make us stronger or show us that we don't work and fucking destroy mm -hmm. us. Um, <laughs> and it, it worked, it's been amazing. So basically, that's been like the start of my world where now, like with her project, she's Greek and American, and we took the buzuki, which is like a Greek instrument, um, which I yep. have here, um, and mixed that with like dark female, dark-ish, like female dance-driven pop music. And so there's like Latin beats and melodies that like she would go on tour with Selena Gomez or Dua Lipa or Rosalia or someone in that space, you know, Camila Cabello. Um, mm -hmm. And we wrote this music that infuses Greek instruments and Greek harmony with pop music. And it's been amazing. It just had such a clear vision pretty quickly. Um, and 
it's been nice to be a part of something like to get to work with the person you love is amazing, but also get to mm-hmm. be a part of something where like we went to Greece and shot the videos and actually in quarantine, one thing I've been doing is I've been taking photos of her for the project because all the photo shoots got canceled. So I've basically like been doing two or three photo shoots a week um, and taking all the photos for the project. So it feels very natural for me. I like being a part of the whole vision from the creative and the visuals to the music and mixing and mastering and like just being a part of everything um, Mm -hmm. that has just been, it's hard as fuck. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it unless you're obsessed with it because it's really, really challenging. Um, yeah, but it's it's, it's been amazing level stuff. Um, and then Ivan and Peter, yes, yeah, so Ivan and Peter is a project I created with my best friend David. Uh, so Ivan and I was in the Berlin in the 1942, and Ivan was fun of the Judaisms. So we basically escaped. From the Germany, we stole one of the U-boats. We went to the Amalfi Coast, and we were just like spreading the love and having the good vibes. And then the God came down from Universe, and she said, "Ivan, Peter, you are so dope at spreading good vibes. I'm giving your U-boats the power of time travel to go back in time, spread the love, and defeat the evil." Um, and we came up with this just and like just by talking in accents. We've been working on it for like ten years for fun, and. From one thing to another led to working with people from like Bojack Horseman and Family Guy and Conan O'Brien, The Simpsons and Rick and Morty and writing a script and developing characters. And then when I got back from this Ecuador trip, we had started working with our friend Flula Borg, who's an incredible comedian. Do you follow Flula on Instagram, Paul? No, I will have to check. Oh my God. You are going to love it. It's absurd. It's absurd. Um, but he's this outrageous already, German comedian. And we started making some music. And I was like, why don't I try... This feels really inspiring, too, and totally different. Because Ivan and Peter make... We call it absurdist EDM pop. It's, mm-hmm. like, big festival dance music mixed with, like, pop hooks and then phrases that are just fucking outrageous. Like, the first song is called <laughs> Duck Cluck, Freak Flag, saint uh... Lonely Triceratops, (laughs) Um, just like crazy songs, but the music is super legit. And so you hear it. It's kind of like, I feel like postmodern Lonely Island where like Lonely Island was making jokes. Like there was a punchline to every song. There's no Mm punchline here. They're just absurd. So you don't know. You're like, is this a joke or is this, is this (laughs) serious? Yeah. And it's not a joke. So Paul Madison, because really what we are doing is that Ivan and I are just making our favorite musics. And because we've traveled for a thousand years, our sense of humor is very diverse and eclectic. (laughs) Um, So now is there episodes? Is there episodes? There is an episode that we wrote, um, Mm -hmm. but basically we've shifted gears and Ivan and Peter, the thing is they're traveling through time right now. So it's hard for them to come to 2020, but God has said that they need to spread love with their music in 2020 in order to truly defeat evil. So they have sent Mm. DJ Flula, which is Flula from another time period to 2020. And Flula is going to begin to start playing our music for people. Um, 
And actually, Ivan and Peter music will start to be released within the next three or four weeks every month. Um, and yeah, everything's changing. I think you don't know who Ivan and Peter are. That's the beauty and the mystery of them. Um, but our voices and their story will be told through social media and you know Instagram and TikTok and music videos and start basically bringing the world into Ivan and Peter's zone where, you know, it's all about spreading love and defeating evil. Um, but from a... Which is exactly what we need right now. I so think so. Perfect. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And then eventually... The is very clear. Their show will come. Like, eventually their world as digital avatars will be revealed. I guess everyone listening to this podcast now knows, um, but that's cool. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Nobody cares yet. <laughs> they will though. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it feels really special to get to be a part of something that has such a a vision to it in terms of its aesthetic and messaging um, and to have all of it be so diverse and different, you know, and that's Evangelia's project is just so clearly about being passionate and confidently in love with something like whether it's like your empowerment as a person or your commitment to falling in love or your commitment to being single or your commitment to your people or your commitment to your heritage like whatever it is the messaging is strong and with Ivan and Peter it's pretty simple like be a good fucking person. Don't be a dick. Spread love, and we can maybe we could defeat evil together. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay, you're so good. You're such a genius at capturing the essence of uh, something so clearly. You know. I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. No, Paul. no, no. You, you <laughs> are, you are, you are. I, the, you are. Well, <clears throat> not that I'm trying to wrap this up, but you led me so perfectly to tell us about this rock project where I didn't necessarily... Under Jay had been sending me these tracks. He's like, he knows I love rock. You're sending me the tracks. And I'm like, these are badass, Jay. And then you were just sending them to me like in a message or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's like, you're not revealing your faces. Oh, you have bazillions of millions of listens on Spotify. You know what? I, it's like I, I was just your friend checking this out. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a second. No, it has a name. It's a real project. We don't reveal our faces. Please tell us about <laughs> <laughs> this band. So, yeah. Even like, Jason Wexler was like, I don't know if he talks about it. I was like, that's the track he sent. I assume he can openly speak about no, it. No, I'm, I'm talking about it more. I've made the decision. Like, yeah, to just be really open about all these projects and these different parts of myself. Because like I was saying, I think hiding from them was part of what was hurting me as a person and as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for some reason I had a thought that I needed to do that. And now, like, these are all different facets of who I am. Like, and I, I like... Yeah, I like being able to be Zapita and talking about being on the U-boat and my anxieties and my obsessions with how clean things need to be and trying to take care of Ivan because he's a fucking idiot and he's always screwing everything up. You know, I like being able to <laughs> be that and then go and write, like, pop music and then go and write contemplative, like, 
philosophical, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Who am I? And how do I deal with my own anxiety and depression music by myself? It feels good. And so Jackson, my friend Billy Van, who I think is one of the best producers in the world, um, and I, there are a handful of anyone who knows Billy knows how special he is. Um, but he and I did a record like for me as an artist and never actually ended up coming out, but we became really good friends. And then he started doing more music in the trailer space. So like really creepy, dark covers of big songs, um, you know, mm-hmm. like in the new uh, Birds of Prey um, movie with Margot Robbie, there's like, Hit me with your best shot. You know what I mean? Like these like dark, creepy covers. So he started doing stuff like that. And then they were like, you know what? It'd be great to have a rock band that basically has themes and hooks and riffs that like would work well in the sync space. Like, in space for sports promotion and TV promos and film trailers and all of that. But that felt like a real band. And so Billy called me and he's like, you know, like as opposed to doing this with other people in sync, I kind of want to do this with you and we can make it like, it will be our band, Mm -hmm. but there, there will be a lens of sync music on it. But what's most important is it feels real and it feels like us. And man, it's a, a credible gift for my life because basically we get together now like we just did a week it was the week before the world shut down um mm-hmm. and we did like similar to that like ala week we we did like six or seven songs in uh in a week we actually had a cool session with new politics do you know that band they're a rock band i, I would, do know that band they're yeah they're cool so we did a session with them so basically awesome. uh jackson just like I come in and rage on guitar and Billy produces the most badass tracks. And then I sing really loud and scream and we triple track it. And that's it. (laughs) That's kind (laughs) of, it's pretty simple. Um, And Jackson's, you know, like Jackson is the best in the fucking world. Like he'll knock you out. He'll take you down. He's happy and strong and confident. Like he might, you know, hit on your partner and there's nothing you can do about it. Cause he's that charming. Like Jackson's just the man. He's the absolute goat. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's cool. And we've released a lot of music. It's completely organic. We've never marketed anything. We've only really? released things. Yeah. Just like consistently. And now we're doing an, a song every six weeks. Um, let's go, which I think, uh, you know, that's the one you're, Gonna gonna play or you have played? I don't know what you've done so far. Yeah, no, we're gonna play. Yeah, we're people gonna play out it. of this interview with that incredible amp up jam, bro. <laughs> the track is so, out of. So control. to be honest with that song in like full transparency. So in a lot of the sync music, it it's been fascinating to me, right? Because there's some music that people write for film and television that I think is garbage or lazy, of um, mm-hmm. where it's just like. You're taking a big hook and you're like, I'm a hero, I'm a hero, I'm a hero. But then your verses have nothing to do with being a hero. And it's just like, just lazy songwriting and trying to make a dollar. Yeah, Yeah. I have no problem. I love sync music. And I love the idea of something being so, so clear. Um, 
and with Let's Go, we'd written a lot of songs, and I was like, can we make something, and both of us were like, can we make something that feels good energetically, but is saying very, very little lyrically, and still saying mm-hmm. stuff, and we can like have these verses... Oh, you- that- and it says let's go like a million times <laughs> in the song. A million times, yeah. But it yeah. feels really good because like the energy of the track and I literally couldn't talk for like a half hour after singing that. It's just like the proof <laughs> of energy, like the proof of why going and seeing the Foo Fighters is such a powerful experience because like it's just pure energy. And the guitars themselves are like just an energetic waveform you know like it's there's so much happening there's so many harmonics it's not like it's a clean thing it's just like breaking up everywhere it's all in your face and it's super super exciting and fun um i learned a lot from that song so much of so many of the songs i write have a you know a lot of words and it's like what are we What's the depth and, the, and blah blah blah? And you listen to "Let's Go" and and you, if you were to look at the page, you'd be like, "This is fucking stupid." And then you listen to it and you're like, <laughs> "It is still a little stupid, but it feels really good and it can make people feel something because of the clarity." Um, I actually think Taylor Swift is incredible at that as a writer. After watching yeah. her documentary, I was like, "Whoa, your shit's really clear." And People, people, people respond can to that. Resonate, yeah, because you're like, oh, I get mm-hmm. what you're talking about, and you're, and it's easier to feel what someone's saying when there's clarity. And clarity doesn't have to be just like lyrical clarity, right? Like, you can have really abstract, like Radiohead, where the lyrics are more abstract, and you don't exactly know lit- literally or linearly what he's saying, but like mm-hmm. the song is clear. And the sound is intentional and has so much character to it. You know, it's undeniably them. Um, yeah, Jackson is a, a fun project, and it's it's also nice to, like, get anger out through that. Yeah. Uh, J-A-X-S-O-N. 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 Which is also proof that, like, you can try to find a name and try to find a name and eventually we just had a list of a bunch of words and we're like let's just mix together Jackson and Gamble <laughs> and I hated it for a while I was like this is so dumb I hate this name and then it starts to grow on you and you're like alright it's kind of cool people like it I like it I guess I like it <laughs> dude it's uh no it's all those surfer vlogs I listen to every time I like I you read Leftsits you're the one when we were Hanging out with that weird manager, Bob Lefsitz, and he talks about the stylos, oh, yeah. right? Did you yeah. did you read that one? I thought that was so good. I live in my own entertainment silo in that I watch all the surf vlogs, right? Every time I listen to Jackson, I'm like, I think I've already heard this song. It's got to be in one of these surf vlogs I check out, dude. Like, it's just like, it is the soundtrack of, like, action sports, bro. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a perfect mashup of production an EDM and slamming low end that happens in pop music, but you still have this rock singer and rock guitar player on top of it, you know? <laughs> well, when it's when really, the time comes, really awesome. there's a real reason to play a live show, Paul. 
I, I know the guitar player that I'm calling for. <laughs> you know who to call, bro. I'll oh be there. Oh, my God. We just, we'll have three guitar players. We'll be like the Foo Fighters. Two people will be playing the same exact riff for no reason. <laughs> just power unison rock riff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Jim I mean, Perry will be headbanging, smashing the I will the say, like, over. I don't know how many of the songs you've listened to, but if you listen to, uh, there's a song called Reckless. There's a lot of Julius C., in Jackson Gamble. Um, oh, I know that, dude. Yeah. I hear it. There's just, like, why a lot of... And what's funny is a lot of that stuff Billy's written, too. Like, those bass parts are different things, and he wasn't in that band. But it's just, like... Yeah. Sometimes he knows. there's some kind of collective consciousness, you know? Absolutely. Well, Jay, dude, I'm going to play people out with Let's Go. Thank you so much for... You being like, hey, why don't we do this now? It's quarantine. We're just sitting inside. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do this now. So thank you for being the first remote secret famous, but it could only be with you. It was like so perfect. I was like, this can only be with Jay because I can see his face. You know what I mean? Like, I <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate I know what it, Paul. Say. And I love you and am inspired by what you do. Although I'm very tempted to fuck with this audio recording just to give Jason Wexler a hard time and having to deal with it, and I'm not going to do it. Um, so, Dude, is people can just check you out, S-T-O-L-A-R. Yes. Yeah. Stolar, Stolar music. music. I've actually like started sharing more of all of these projects and stuff on social media, and it's cool to hear other people's stories and just like, yeah, come share and hang out. Um, yeah. That's my world. Yeah, you're everywhere. You have so many projects. I'm sure if you go to Jay's page, just you can find them all. There's so much going on. Jackson Gamble, Aloe Black, Hall and Oats and Train. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> you still got other crazy stories that we didn't even get to, but we'll do another one in the future. You know, two years from now when Jackson Gamble's crushing MSG <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, it's been all a right, pleasure. Well, thank Paul. you. Thank you so much. Definitely, right? Bounce this. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Table. I'm gonna do it right now. Yeah, it's part of the, the remote thing. All you musicians, yeah. I'm gonna. We're we're on separate like systems in our homes, but I'm gonna bounce this right now and upload it. Do it, do it, and uh, we have our steak hang in nine minutes. So I want to try to record an intro and get this all to Wexler. So great. All right, I'm gonna go make myself a <sighs> drink. I'll talk to you soon. I miss you, New York City. All right, Jay. Thank you so much, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Paul. Bye, everyone. No one pulls up like we do. No one does us like we do. Always go hard with this school. Welcome to the show. Let's make moves. It's gonna stop us, it's time to get rough Turn the whole room up, it's never enough Let's go, 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 let's go Gonna go and take
Cats and Kittens, how badass was that tune? Jay, thank you again. I hope everybody again stays safe, stays healthy. Go check out Jay. Have a goddamn awesome day. Stay healthy. Ooh!